God is good. Hallelujah. Yeah, we just uh, last week, uh, uh, the week prior, I guess it was, spent some time with our folks back back in the Midwest, and and uh, so it's always a, a wonderful thing to get to hang out with family, and uh, so we we're grateful for that. Amen. And uh, Trudy's dad, as she said, is going to be 92, and my folks are. Uh, my dad's in his 80s, amen, so it was, uh, every time you go back there, you know, it's always a thrill to get to be around him, but at the same time, too, there's always the, uh, you know, the awareness of, you know, life's short. The word says life is but a vapor, amen, so it's, it just pays to keep your head in the right place, amen, come on. So there's no regrets. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, no regrets. No regrets. Hallelujah. I don't want any regrets. I don't want you to have regrets. I don't want uh, my family to have regrets. I don't want my church to have regrets. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Ah, glory to God. Last, uh, last couple weeks here, we've been working through a series. We've been talking about resisting the enemy. And uh, I think today I'm going to start with uh, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Now, I'm going to ask the question again. You came to receive? All right. So um, I'm just trying to think of how, I'm trying to weigh it out how much I want to do any review or that kind of thing. I feel sometimes with mini series, um, this is what this is, just kind of a mini series. uh, a lot of times, you know, if, you, if you're not here every week, then sometimes you feel like you're kind of jumping in the middle of it, and, and uh, I kind of hate that. I always like it. Everybody kind of at least is caught up with us and know what's going on. Um, so maybe I'll just do, do this. Let's read the verse here, the key verse here. It just says this in verse 7. Therefore, okay, now obviously when you see the word therefore, sometimes you've got to stop and see what it's there for, right? And he's talking about he gives grace to the humble, Okay, and, uh, you know, the empowerment to those that, that submit themselves to him. And that's what it says, therefore, submit to God. Amen. How many know that's a good thing to do? Hallelujah. I said, how many know that's a good thing to do? Yes, yes. It just means to be subject to, uh, it means to yield or to be under obedience to. Amen. Reflexively is another word, but it just means to be reflective. So in other words, as God leads, you follow. That's what it's talking about. So somebody that's submitted to God is somebody that's taking the time to let God lead them. And then follow when he leads, praise God. But it says, submit to God. Then it says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that's a good promise. But how I many know there, there is a devil? Now, we're not here to glorify the devil, but the word says you can't be ignorant of the fact that you have an enemy and how you got to understand how he works. Amen. So this series was kind of intended to bring out a little light uh, concerning the enemy and how he operates and He's very deceptive. He's a manipulator. He's an accuser. He's a thief. The word says that uh, Jesus was anointed to heal those who were oppressed of the devil. He went about doing good, and the devil's always doing bad. Amen. Come on now. But Jesus came to, to turn that around. Amen. You know, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. But how many know he's still out there manipulating, still, you know, trying to deceive and playing head games and all that kind of stuff, as we've been bringing out over the last two weeks. Amen. Uh, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's what he does. He said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. 
Now, I'd rather have the life more abundant. Anybody in agreement with me on that? I said, I'd rather have the life more abundant. Anybody in agreement with that? Amen. Now, the enemy's out there stealing, killing, and destroying. Now, the reason that's so necessary to understand is because a lot of times if you're, if you're ignorant of the fact that you have an enemy, uh, then what happens is you start thinking God's doing all the, you know, all the good, bad, and ugly. And so what happens then, you, uh, you know, there's, there's a deception in that. The enemy's hoping that you're uh, you know, not aware of the fact that he exists. The enemy's just hoping you blame God for everything. Uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, if God was so good, how come there's all this junk on the earth? Well, it's because whatever God's not involved, it turns to junk. Hello, somebody. If something isn't working, you just have to understand that God probably didn't have his hand in it. Somehow or another, uh, you know, the enemy uh, stole, killing, destroying, whatever. Uh, he's, he's very good at manipulating, and uh, we just have to be aware of that. Also, praise God, the scriptures are pretty clear, as we brought forth in the last couple of weeks, is that uh, we have authority and dominion over the enemy. Jesus gave us authority. Hello. So we're called now to resist the enemy. How you take authority and dominion is through resistance. You learn to resist your enemy. All right. So uh, the word resist means uh, to stand against, to oppose, to withstand. Some of these key words that you'll see in Scripture. It means to counter or to endure also. But it refers to a thing of consistency and just understand that there is no resistance without endurance. There is no resistance without continuance. Okay, if we're going to resist and oppose the enemy, we got to stay with it. Still with me? Okay, I'm trying to do my level best to, to bring, a, or bring a, a little bit of a review without uh, uh, taking up all the time to do it because i got things to get to today. But the, the key is that we have to understand that there is an enemy and we can resist the enemy and he will flee. Now, um, I'm going to go ahead and bring this out again. Um, there's two things that God will not do for you. He will not, even though the price has been paid, Jesus came, amen, paid a price for mankind to have uh, everything uh, that, like Trudy brought out earlier, you know, everything's laid out on the table, it's yours to have. But there's two things He will not do for you. He will not receive for you, and He will not resist for you. Now, He's empowered you, amen, amen. He'll help you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll show you. He'll, I mean, he'll strengthen you. He'll do all the things necessary so you can receive and so you can resist. But if we won't take the time and use our faith to receive from God or we won't use our faith to resist the enemy, guess what? The enemy goes on stealing, killing, and destroying. Everybody say, no way. Not going to have that happen here. Amen. All right, so we submit to God, that's where it starts, and we resist the devil, and the word said he will flee. So what we've been doing the last, uh, last week, we kind of kind of started getting more into that, and this week we'll talk some more, is just different basic ways that we resist the enemy. Uh, last week we started with this, basically in the same text, it says, it goes on to say, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, that's where it all begins, is moving toward God. Any movement toward God Amen is a good direction to be moving. Can I hear a big amen? amen. 
Hallelujah. Any, any movement toward God, drawing into God, amen, hallelujah, is a good thing. In fact, in context, we're just talking about is being led by God. That's why it says his great, he'll empower those with grace, those who humble themselves or submit themselves. That word literally means to come, to come underneath or to come beneath, praise God, to lower oneself beneath. So to humble oneself before God means to come beneath God. Let God be God. Let God lead. Amen. Can I hear a big amen? In fact, I think I gave the reference uh, 1 Thessalonians, or 2 Thessalonians, I believe it is, chapter 3, verse 3. Did I give you that one? And uh, I thought about this. I didn't bring it out last week, but I'm going to do it this week. And it just says, but the Lord is faithful. How many know God's faithful? The Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Okay, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Well, so you think, well, okay, does that mean that God's going to do everything? Well, let's, let's look at it because it's necessary to understand what this means. Okay, the word establish here is a word that means to set fast, confirm, to fix. But literally, it says this in the, in the concordance, literally means to turn resolutely in a certain direction. This word establish. The Greek word here is stereizo. Okay, sterizo, I believe, is actually how it's pronounced. And uh, what it just means is to turn one in a, in, a, in a resolute direction. In other words, to resolutely turn somebody in a certain direction. So what it's talking about here is God is faithful. God will lead you and guide you. Amen. There's all kinds of pitfalls and traps the enemy tries to lay. All kinds of lies out there. All kinds of stuff that goes on. God wants to steer you clear of it. But see, if we don't take the time to draw near to God, we don't take the time to submit ourselves to God, then what happens, the enemy just goes on stealing, goes on manipulating, goes on taking. Now, aren't you glad you came out on a Sunday morning? Some of you are starting to look at me like, I don't know, maybe I should. No, I'm telling you, this is, you need to know these things. Amen. Who will establish you, and then it says, and guard you. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, uh, fulaso is, is, the, is the Greek word. It means to be on guard watch, to keep or preserve, or to avoid. But get this, it means through the idea of isolation. And what it means is God will guide you and direct you to separate you from the things that the enemy's trying to lay out there for you. That's why like in Psalms 91, he says, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. In other words, the enemy's laying a trap. He's always laying traps, temptations, all the different things that he tries to, to hoodwink you, pull you under some kind of deception. He's always trying to do it. But see, God wants to steer you clear of all that mess. You don't have to fall to the temptation. You don't have to fall uh, to the trap. You don't have to fall to the deception. You don't have to. Is anybody hearing me? Right. Now, if, if, you've, if, you, if you've slipped and you fail and you, you end up in one of the little pitfalls or whatever it is, uh, then praise God will get you turned around, get you back on top. Come on, somebody. Get you a breakthrough, a miracle, whatever you need. We're, not, we're okay with that. But I have found that the majority of things that we believe God for miracles for are things that if we would just heard God in the beginning, we probably would have avoided that. Have you ever uh, signed on the dotted line and about a month later wished you didn't? <clears throat> have you ever said yes to something and wished you didn't? Or said no to something you thought, man, I wish I would have, you know? Amen. There's just a lot of that kind of stuff goes on. 
And so God is there to try to help lead, guide, and direct, trying to resolutely turn you in a direction, praise God, amen, to somehow or another get you separate, isolated from whatever the enemy's laying out for you. That's what he's bringing out. He is faithful. God will do that, praise God. But if we don't take the time, the point is this, if we don't take the time to draw near to God, to move into God, to submit ourselves to God, and you just kind of live your life just one day, just like the next day, you get up, you got your, you know, we're all creatures of habit. Uh, We pretty much always wake up about the same time. You shower the same way. You comb your hair the same way. You get out in your rig the same. You kind of head to work the same. You do all the kind of things. We're just creatures of habit. And what happens is we just kind of move along in life and forget to stop and acknowledge God. We forget to stop and just give God some time. As Trude even brought out, the fear of the Lord is about a sense of reverence and awe and respect. Amen. Somewhere along the line, you got to stop and say, Lord, you're God. Lord, lead me. God, show me. me. Give me insight. Help me, praise God. Give me an ear to hear you. Give me a heart that's receptive. Open the eyes of my understanding, praise God. Lord God, guide me, direct me, lead me. I draw on your wisdom today, praise God. Whatever it is, you begin to learn to stop and do that. Most Christians will not do it. Now, I know it's none of you in here. You guys are so good about this. But there's a lot of Christians out there that don't take the time to acknowledge God at all during the day until all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. Come on. And now we got issues. We got problems. Now what do we do? We go to God to hopefully somehow turn it around, somehow get a breakthrough and a miracle, and praise God. He's a merciful God. Amen. We're not taking away from any of that. But praise God, amen, what we're trying to do is get people aware of the fact that God wants to guide you and direct you and steer you around some of them pitfalls. Now, won't that be a good thing? Are you hearing me today? Okay, well, praise the Lord. Uh, We also talked about last week about casting all of our care upon him and how that is a form of resistance of the enemy because cares... uh, Bring anxiety. Cares, uh, or actually the word is defined out as a, a distraction. So the enemy creates all kinds of distractions through cares. All the different things that go on every day that sometimes become a distraction. Now we're not making light of anything. We're not even saying that every distraction is a bad thing as we brought out last week. Sometimes distractions are just that. They're just things that go on every day that become now a distraction And so the whole time, you know, God again, trying to lead, trying to guide, but you're distracted. All right. Now, listen, you cast the care of these kind of things. Amen. As I said last week, amen, when we cast the care, amen, it's not uh, it's not like a rod and reel where you, you know, you zing it out there and then you reel it all back in every 13 minutes. Just check on and make sure it's all gone or whatever. Is anybody hearing me? Casting the care is learning how to cast the care on God. Let God be God. Let God show you things. Let God lead you in things. Praise God. So that was another thing we touched on. Another thing we got on last week and kind of where we, we kind of came toward the end, we talked about the armor of God and the importance of the armor of God. Amen. Now, obviously, we could take every piece of the armor and spend a day on it, spend a service on it. Praise God. And I have done that. But uh, we kind of just... Uh, primarily just kind of brought out real quick about why each piece of armament is so important in the area of resistance. Remember, you put on the armor so that you can resist in the evil day. You put on the armor so you can resist your enemy. Are you hearing me today? So look at your neighbor and say, put on the armor. All right, put on the armor. Amen. Now we closed last week talking about the sword of the spirit. 
okay, which is a weapon. All right? You have your armor, but also you have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. So it is now a weapon. So you got your armor on, but now you have a weapon in hand that you're supposed to use. Why do you use a weapon? Well, to cut my neighbor up. No, no, no. <laughs> to thump the backside of my spouse. That's what I do. No, no, no. Come on. That, that's there for an enemy. Remember, you got an enemy. You got to use it to resist your enemy. You got to use it, praise God, to withstand uh, in the evil day. When that moment of pressure comes, amen, you're going to have to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And as we brought out, praise God, the scriptures are pretty clear that Jesus himself, the word uh, talks about it multiple places in, Rever in Revelations, talks about it in Isaiah as a prophecy about him. Amen. Said that out of his mouth came a two-edged sword. Now, you know as well as I do, he didn't walk around with some metal blade going in and out of his mouth. But what he was doing was it was the word of God would come out of his mouth. And we also know that in the Mount of Temptation, amen, he stood and he said, it is written. That's how he dealt with temptation. That's how he dealt with the enemy. He would speak the word of God, which is no different than you and me. We got to learn to speak the word of God. Everybody say the word of God. Hallelujah. Now, of course, it's a rhema word, uh, you know, which means a revealed word, a word that's coming alive on the inside, something that you know that you know that you know. Amen. But the bottom line is this. It starts with speaking the word. Somebody says, well, I don't know the word. Well, it's time to get to know the word. Amen. Now, listen, uh, you know, just ignoring the enemy doesn't make the enemy go away. Acting like, you know, because I, I, I I'm sure I've even got a few in here today saying, oh, my God, I don't want to hear all this. It's tough. Okay? You're going to have to hear it. Because what happens is just, just as, you know, going blah, 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 I don't want to hear it, it isn't going to make it, you know, make the enemy go away. So he goes on to continue to ransack, steal, kill, and destroy. But you have a right and you have an authority and you have what it takes, amen, as a child of God, amen, with the word of God, with the armor of God, with the sword of the spirit, with a God that stands with you trying to lead and guide and direct with that praise God, you can resist any enemy that comes your way. But you got to be willing to do it. So you think, okay, well, what do I do with the word of God? I mean, how do I do this? Well, biggest thing is you find your promises. Amen. There's anywhere between seven and 10,000 promises in the word of God that deals with every, every situation, every circumstance you could possibly think of. Whether we're talking about your household, your family, we're talking about your health, your finance, I don't care what it is. But just understand that the promises are there. It's the word of God, amen, for you, praise God, to use when, when the enemy's pushing and pressing and trying to bring you down. You have something to resist with. So I said that with this, with this in mind. There's all kinds of promise books out there. There's all kinds of things you can do. I think last week I even mentioned, you know, pull up your iPhones or your uh, smartphones. I guess I got corrected and it's smartphones. And everybody has an iPhone, but they all, most everybody has a smartphone. A couple of you have stupid phones, but... Most of us have smartphones. Anyway, the point is this. You can just pull up on your iPads, your iPhones, your whatever. Hallelujah. You can pull up and find promises concerning health and healing, promises concerning breakthroughs of, of uh, finance or marriage or, or raising your kids. Or We can go on and on and on of all the different things that are in the Word of God that are promises. And nowhere in here does it say you have to have it memorized. Now, it says work toward it. 
But nowhere in there does it say you have to have it memorized to use it. So if you've got something where the enemy's warring against you on a continual basis, if somehow or another he's always dealing in the area, you know, coming against you and your health, well, then find those promises in the word that says that by his stripes we were healed, that he bore my sickness, carried my diseases. Amen. He not only forgives all my iniquities, but he heals all my diseases. Praise God. These are promises to you and me that you can take and literally like a sword, hallelujah, of the spirit, you can shove that up his nose, come on somebody and say, back off, devil. I'm the healed. And there's all kinds of promises in there that'll help you in your marriage when you got warfare coming. Well, no, pastor, I don't have a problem with the devil. I have a problem with my wife. Well, maybe she's being led by the devil. No, I don't know, no, no. The point is, sometimes there are people issues that, yeah, there's a demonic thing that's pushing and, and, and squeezing and trying to, you know, to try to somehow deceive. It happens. Now, Amen. The point is this, okay? There's all kinds of uh, promises in the word that can help you in your marriage. Amen? Even that stinker of a husband, God, there's a promise in there that deals with him. Does it really say stinker? It is. It's in there. You'll find it. <laughs> the point is this. There are all kinds of promises, amen, that you use. Amen. Now, the key with all of this is getting your mouth to work for you and not against you. Is anybody hearing me? I mean, one of the problems we have with with things like, um, for instance, maybe strife or contention or dissension that might be there. Amen. Most of the time, the reason that is is where it is because we've yielded our mouth to the wrong things. Accusation. I mean, the word is clear that the enemy is the accuser. But yet, many times we jump on board, we're doing the same thing. And all you see in that individual is not the, not the positive in their life, you see the negative in their life. And then that's what you talk, you talk the negative. So all you've done now is just give the enemy place to continue to ransack. So use your mouth right. See, that's why you got to get your head right, your heart right, and your mouth right. Okay? Now the point being is that is part of your weaponry. All right? is take the word of God, speak the word of God. Amen. And as I said earlier, you don't have to have it all necessarily memorized, but you should at least find your promises. And even if you got to stand up and say, devil, I resist you in Jesus' name. The word of God says right here in this chapter and just begin to quote it. You'll find that he'll start backing out. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Now I'm going to bring this up, okay? Um, I don't know if I gave you the verses back there, but in Mark 4 and 15, did I give you that? I know I'm kind of flipping all over the place here with this. But Mark 4 and 15, talking about the sower sowing the word, but it says here that Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in their heart. Now, the reason I think it's necessary to bring this up, because a lot of times somebody says, well, pastor, I tried that one time. And man, I'll tell you what, all hell broke loose. And I, I, well, listen, all that's happened is the enemy, right? It's the last ditch effort to try to somehow take the seed that's been sown in your heart. Are you with me? In fact, put Matthew's account of this. Uh, Matthew 13, please. 19, thank you. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, I like how it words that, the word of the kingdom and does not, here we go, understand it. 
then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Now, you might, you might be in that place. You may say, okay, I've heard some things, Pastor. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not quite getting it yet. And every time I do this, I feel like the pressure increases a little bit. Well, get to understand it. Get to meditating on it. Get to thinking about it. Amen. Get to, I mean, play the message over and over again if you have to. Amen. But the bottom line is this. Amen. The, don't let the enemy come in and steal. Are you with me? Now, have you ever had to deal with a, with a bully? I'm not trying to bring up a sore subject, but I, at, least, at least when I was growing up, the quickest way to deal with a bully is face him, not run from him. That's all. That just fuels their fire. Come on, somebody. So I found that you have to face him, okay? Well, sometimes you face him and they punch you. You say, well, Pastor, that wasn't what I wanted to hear. Well, sometimes it happens. So what do you do? You punch him back. That's what you do. Somebody says, Pastor, you're, you're preaching violence. I'm just saying, somewhere, you know, you learned, you, you, you got to resist. You don't just lay down and let the enemy keep stealing. Well, if I leave him alone, he'll maybe go away. No, he keeps taking your milk money. And if you keep backing down, they just keep doing it. So you have to learn to face them. Amen. It's no different in the realm of the spirit. You don't back down and just cower and, and try to hide, thinking the enemy's going to not find you. Or somehow he's going to say, okay, I got him scared enough now, and leave. No, steals, kills, destroys, which means he doesn't, he doesn't stop. He just keeps taking. That's what it means. But, amen, if you will resist your enemy, amen, you can begin to back him out the door, and how you do that is by taking the word of God and begin to speak it, praise God. Begin to declare it. But understand, the reason I brought these couple verses up is to understand that sometimes you might have to do it a couple times. Maybe three times. Maybe several times. And you got to be okay to do that. Amen. You know, you, you made a stand about your kids and all of a sudden your kids went squirrely. So what do you do? You got, I knew it. Kids these days. No, you take that word again and you speak it again. Amen. You make declarations out your mouth of what God has to say about your household, what God has to say about your kids, what God has to say about your health, what God has to say about your finance, what God has to say about your peace, what God has to say. Are you hearing me? That's what we declare, praise God. And you keep declaring it. And pretty soon that enemy's backing out the door. The promise is this, if you resist, he will flee. So you got to be willing to resist. But remember, resistance, there is no resistance without continuance. There is no resistance without constancy, without continuing, enduring, and staying with it. You got to stay with it. And pretty soon, that enemy's backing out the door. Are you still with me? Am I boring you? All right, with all that said... Um, Revelations chapter 12. Revelations chapter 12. A common, common verse, things we've heard before. Amen. But we're going to look at it again today. Revelations 12. You ever heard that we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb? All right. Let's take a look at who we're talking about first. Uh, chapter 12, verse 9. It says, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, 
called the devil, just in case you know, amen, and Satan, okay? A couple weeks ago, we talked about all the different names of the enemy and where he's at and how much he's talked about in the new covenant. Who deceives the whole world. That's what he does. He was cast to the earth. His angels were cast out with him, verse 10. So we know he's here. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. Everybody say the accuser. Okay, he's the accuser. Who accused them, them before our God day and night has been cast down. Which means he's no longer, just for a little sub note here, he's no longer allowed in heaven. He's been cast down, okay? But he's still accusing, okay? He comes to you and me and tries to do it. Okay, now they, talking about the saints, talking about us, the children of God, overcame him, talking about the enemy, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Now this here is one of those resistance verses. Come on, somebody. Everybody say, overcome the enemy. Okay, so what does it mean? Nikeo is the word overcome, which means to subdue, to conquer or prevail. Literally means to get or gain a decisive victory. You overcome the enemy, amen, to gain a decisive victory. How do you do it? Well, it says here first, by the blood of the lamb. Everybody say the blood of the lamb. Now you notice it says they, okay, again, they talking about us. Okay, let's, let's just make sure here, because um, in chapter 10, or verse 10, it's talking about, amen, the brethren here, okay, hallelujah, we're the brethren, they are the brethren, talking about you and me, the saints, okay, overcome him, the enemy. I'm just trying to make that clear. Are we clear on that? Okay, in other words, you, you can't wait for God here. It says here, you have to do something. You resist. Okay, so you overcome the enemy, by the blood of the lamb. Now, the blood, how many of the blood's already been shed, right? So let's talk about what Christ has already done. Have you ever heard the phrase, plead the blood? Old timers, especially our old timer intercessors, they understand that was a phrase, a common phrase, okay, that they'd use. Now, the reason that, that is because the word to plead means to implore, or declare, or to pray out, okay? So they plead the blood. In other words, plead the blood, what has happened, the price that was paid, the blood that was shed, the work that was done, the redemptive work. Come on, somebody. This is what he's talking about. So you overcome the enemy first and foremost based on what Christ has done. So I'm going to take the blood, come on, that was shed in a sense. I'm going to take that and shove it in his face. I plead the blood over my family. I plead the blood over my household. I plead the blood over my marriage. I plead the blood over my church. I plead, my, I plead the blood, come on somebody, over the people of God. Are you with me? Whatever it is that you start. So, so what does that mean? I mean, okay, we hear that said, but what does it mean? I mean, some people will read that and think, well, that sounds gory. That sounds gross. Oh, gross. Blood, ooh, Gross. Well, it's based on what Christ has done. Okay? So the word blood, amen, we might as well look it up. It just means the atoning blood of Christ. In other words, what he's done, the redemptive or atoning blood of Christ. That's just what it gives you. And then, it, it, so it's talking about, there's two things it says here about it, but the first one is the atoning blood based on what Christ has done. 
Okay, so that means every time I plead the blood over a situation, I'm saying I'm standing right now based on what Christ has already done for me. Come on. Blood was shed that I might walk free today. Blood was shed that I'm redeemed from the curse. Blood was shed, amen, that I might walk, amen, whole. Hallelujah. Blood was shed that I might enter into a new covenant. Amen. Blood was shed, praise God, that I could walk free from the enemy. I plead the blood. I'm telling you, it works. Okay. Now, guess what else this word blood means? Okay. I thought this was interesting. Okay. This is just a normal, con- your, your con- normal concordance. Okay. Says this. Okay. It also means the juice of grapes. Say, well, that sounds weird. No, get this. Okay. It's about communion. One of the things that, you know, represents is the blood. You know, when you take communion, amen, the cup of blessing represents the blood of Christ. Is anybody hearing me? I just thought this was, you know, because part of doing warfare, this is a little sub note. Okay, we'll get back to the rest of these. But the bottom line is this, okay, when you're taking communion, if you understand what communion represents, amen, just think about it's it's a part of resistance of the enemy. When you take communion, amen, you're not only given honor to him, and as often, worse as often as you take it, as often as you drink this, as often as you eat this, you do it in remembrance of him. So you call to remembrance all that he's done, amen. So we overcome the enemy based on all the things that he's already done. He's paid a price for you. So now when I partake of, you know, for instance, it's mentioning here the blood, okay, or the, you know, the blood of the lamb, talking about the, the, the juice of, of grapes, amen, he's talking about, praise God, taking that communion and begin to stand your ground, not only based on, you know, giving God thanks for all he's done, but you're using it, man, no matter what right now is warned against you, you literally could take communion and get your victory right then. I can't even tell you how many times... Uh, my wife, myself, even many of our folks that we were around, I mean, how many times they've taken communion and literally got a breakthrough, got a miracle right then when they took communion because they understood what it represents. It's not just some ritualistic thing you do in a church service somehow to pass a, you know, a half hour of time. It represents something. And it's a form of resistance of the enemy. I partake of the, of, the, of the bread because it represents the body that bore stripes. And because of that, the word says, by his stripes, I was healed, praise God. So when I'm partaking of communion, I declare I'm healed and whole based on what Christ has done for me. I partake of that, of the word calls it the cup of blessing. Talking about, amen, the, uh, represents the blood of the new covenant. The word says a better covenant established on better promises. It represents, praise God, atonement. It represents, praise God, remission of sins. Represents forgiveness, praise God. Because many times the enemy's coming at you with guilt and shame and condemnation based on something that's in your past. I guarantee you take communion. If you know what it represents, praise God, it'll back that devil right out the door. He has no business holding your past against you. Well, pastor, I really blew it. No kidding. Well, you just don't understand. No, I totally get the past. I totally get making mistakes. I totally get falling on your face. I totally get, you know, uh, tripping up. 
But see, what the enemy tries to do is try to hold you under that. He tries to somehow shove that in your face, try to make you think you're your history or you're your mistake. No, you're not. You are who he says you are, praise God. The righteousness of God, hallelujah. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And part of taking communion, especially the blood of the lamb, hallelujah, what represents the blood is all about, praise God, setting me free from my past. He cannot hold that on you anymore. I've seen so many people who have never moved forward in their life because of a few mistakes they made. That enemy's loving it. That's what he wants. He wants to hold you under that so you never move forward. Now, somewhere along the line, we got to say what Christ did was enough. Am I hearing you? Are you hearing me? <sighs> what he did was enough. The scriptures are clear that what Adam did by falling and, and committing high treason because of what the enemy deceived him in, hallelujah, the word says all of everything changed, all of mankind changed. But then it said, then came the second Adam. His name was Jesus. And what he did also affected all mankind. Now let me ask you, are you going to stay connected to what Adam did or stay connected to what Jesus did? I'd rather stay connected to what Jesus did. So when I partake of communion, it becomes literally a form of resistance against the enemy. And I'm not making light of your past. I'm not making excuses for sin or somehow justifying it. I'm just saying, listen, somewhere along the line, you got to believe what he's done for you, praise God. Overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb. Why? Because blood was shed so you can walk free from your past. You can walk free from the enemy, praise God. You can walk free from guilt and shame and condemnation. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not mad. I'm just intense. Y'all good? All right. Somebody say, oh, my God. Hallelujah. Listen, that's, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I feel... You know, I just, it's, it's what burns in me is I feel so much that the enemy is always kind of hiding in the shadows, hiding in the background, and people don't understand that you have an enemy that's doing this stuff. They get all condemned. They think, well, God's just beating up on me a little bit. No, he's not. If God was going to beat up on you, You'd be done. I mean, just done, okay? So, you know, God is not, you know, having some, you know, getting his jollies off watching you suffer. God, if anything, is so grieved when he sees the enemy continue to ransack our lives and we don't do anything about it. So when you're praying over your babies at night, this ought to be something, praise God, I plead the blood over my babies. I plead the blood over my kids. I plead the blood over my marriage. I plead the blood, hallelujah, over my family in the name of Jesus. You got to stand your ground. Amen. Don't let the bully push you around. So we overcome them by the blood of the Lamb. And then it says, by the word of their testimony. Okay? So, testimony is a word, uh, marturia, 
okay, is the Greek word, which means to record, report, or testify, or give witness of. It means to give or provide evidence of, okay? Now, a lot of times when you hear this, a lot of times we talk about, you know, when somebody comes up and gives a testimony about what they've done, what they've, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's all wonderful. But it's really, remember, it's not talking about you standing in front of a congregation giving a testimony per se, okay? It's talking about overcoming the enemy. So we have to, what does it mean then? Well, okay, the, the Greek, uh, again, I'll give you all this just to show you that there is, there's, a, there's a meaning for this. The word of their testimony is made up of three Greek words. Logos, aros, marturia, okay, is the word. Okay, somebody said, that's all Greek to me. Well, whatever. Anyway, the point is, okay, what it means is speaking our own evidence of is what it means. Because the word logos here a lot of times is also used as the word, you know, the word of God or whatever, but it's talking about something uttered or something spoke, okay? So again, it's talking about something coming out your mouth. So what do you do? What does this mean? Giving testimony or giving word of, you know, what the evidence or things that have happened in your life. You're using this to overcome the enemy. So what do you do then? Well, again, not only do you, you know, point your words at the enemy concerning the blood of the lamb, but you also do it concerning the things that God has done for you. Has God ever done anything for anybody in this house? Has he ever healed your body? Has he ever given you a breakthrough? Has he ever provided for you? Has he ever done something for your marriage or done something for your kids? Have you ever believed God and all of a sudden you got a breakthrough, praise God? Is there anybody in this house that that has happened for? See, you have something here to use against your enemy. So not only are you going to put in the face of the enemy what Christ has already done, but you're now going to put in his face the things that Christ has done for you personally, intimately. Now it becomes to you, your, the word from you about your testament. What has God done for you? And there are times when you just say, my God has delivered me and set me free. My God, hallelujah, saved my soul. My God has healed my body. My God, praise God, has provided for me and met my needs a thousand times. Hallelujah. My God has shown himself strong on my behalf. My God has brought peace in a chaotic situation. My God has done great things for me. I'm telling you what, just that and alone, the enemy's already heading out the door. Because all we're going to do now, devil, is shove in your face. I'm about to get me another testimony. You don't back down from your enemy. Has God ever done anything for you? Are you lying to me? Well, I believe it. Not that you lied. I believe that God has done things for you. Amen. So what this is talking about primarily is not telling God how big your enemy is, but telling your enemy how big your God is. So not only are you overcoming the enemy by the blood of the lamb based on what Christ is, the price that was paid, but also now I'm overcoming the enemy, amen, by me declaring to the enemy how big my God is what my God has already done. Listen, when you start, 
you, you know, when you're believing God, let's say you're believing for, you know, a breakthrough in the health, okay? And you're going to stand concerning health situations. And you, you just have to stop and think for a minute, has God ever done something to me for me physically? All right. Now, maybe not everybody's had a, a healing miracle, but I think most of you in here are somewhere along the line where God has shown himself strong in the area of healing in your life. So that, see, right off the bat, you could start right there and say, I've been healed once right here, and I was healed one time right here, and I was healed one time right here, and I remember one time God did something right here. And I'm telling you what, if my God did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did that, and he did this, my God will do it again. So what happens now? All of a sudden, see, it puts you on a different plane where you're not striving to try to get, you know, God to do something again. You'll recognize the fact, my God heals, my God delivers. And if he's done it once, he'll do it again. Now again, you don't back down from your enemy. You don't back down from the bully. You learn to face it. Okay, so you overcome by the blood of the Lamb based on what Christ has done. You, 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 you overcome him by the word of your testimony based on what he's done for you personally. And then it says, and they did not love their lives to the death. Now, that don't, that don't sound fun. Most everybody forgets that one. You ever notice that? How many of you all heard blood of the Lamb? You know, most everybody knows that one, right? And then a few, maybe, okay, a little word of their testimony. But when it comes down to this, and they did not love their lives to the death, they go, well, you know, I'd rather not use that verse. <laughs> uh, come on now. So what does it mean, right? If it's a way to overcome your enemy, what is it talking about? Okay, is that right? Don't you think it's fair to know? Yeah. Am I boring you? No. Okay, so what does it mean they did not love their lives to the death? Now, the, one of the keys in the word love, because the word love here is agapeo, which means a commitment unto, okay? It's talk. It's you know. We, of course, comes from the word agape, which you know God is agape. God is love. But here's just talking about more of a, a commitment unto something. You know. So it's talking about here. Do you have more of a commitment towards you than you do God? That might be a problem. Now remember, we're overcoming the enemy. So what we're trying to do is eliminate any of the enemy's, you know, inroad any way he can get in. So now if, you, if you're more in love with you and about saving your own neck, come on, somebody, than in love with God in the way he leads, guides, and directs, then we might have a problem. Now, I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying this is what he's talking about here. Okay, so the word love, agapeo, talking about, you know, to a, a commitment unto a debt, you know, being obligated or devoted unto something. So here it's talking about being more obligated unto yourself. The word, the Passion Translation brings out, uh, they did not love and cling to their own lives even when faced with death. Okay? The New Living brings out, they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Are you with me? So it's about being more in love with God than ourselves, even willing to die for Him if necessary. Okay? Now, we're not encouraging everybody to look for a way to die. And He's not. He's just saying, listen, if that's a problem, if, if, if you're more driven by fear of, of losing your life or something happening to your life, now, listen, it's not just talking about the loss of life, but anything concerning your life. Okay, let me give you some references here. All right. 
Matthew 6 and 25, Jesus said, uh, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Come on, what you will eat or drink. And it goes on, right? Do not, do not care. But in other words, if you're all concerned about everything else, okay, then what happens is it's going to be an issue because what you're saying then is God doesn't have your back. Okay? Now, I mean, oh, God will take care of you. Come on now. Now, out of this reference, I thought it was, it was worthy of bringing up. The Amplified says this about it. It says, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. Let me say that again. Stop being perpetually uneasy. A lot of people are perpetually uneasy. Come on, they're anxious or worried about their life. Now, I'm heading somewhere with this, okay? Because it's all based on fear. See, understand that if fear is there, the enemy has an inroad because he always somehow tries to bring fear. The message of this verse Matthew, out of Matthew 6 is, if you decide for God or live a life for God, it brings out, amen, it says, then you're going to have to learn not to fuss about your life. Now, you have to make up your mind you're going to serve God or not. Come on. Now, somebody said, well, I didn't want to hear that today. But, but in all honesty, all I'm saying is it's just, it's just a little thing. is just make the decision. I'm not, I'm not you know, going to bow down to the enemy here in the area of fear. I'm not going to worry about myself. My God's got my back. You know, really, to be honest, if you really would get right down even to death itself, you know, the Word says that one day you check out of here. But it says that to be absent from this body means to be present with the Lord. So really, do you really, really experience death? I mean, in a sense. I mean, when you stop and you think about it, to be absent from here, amen, one day this old thing just falls off like an old suit jacket. Just kind of, boop, just Laser in a blob. And you kind of go on. And next thing you know, you're, you're, you're looking at Jesus. Come on, somebody. Standing on streets of gold or however. Get your picture. I mean, whatever, man. I mean, you know, crossing, you know, the, 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 you know, the river of life and, and looking at Jesus and looking at the, you know, the, uh, you know, the gates and, the, and everything. I, I mean, I don't know how it all totally goes down there, but I just know it's, it's a whole lot better than anything here. So, you know, when you stop and you think about it, why are we so worried about our lives? And the point is this. I understand, like, this text is talking about, you know, what you eat, what you drink, what, the clothes on your body, on this kind of stuff. But, but see, it's all, about, it's all about panicking about this and fearful about that. To me, I think that's a wonderful verse to have at this time. Because, they're, you know, everything that's going on trying to create you know, shortage and trying to push, uh, you know, uh, lack and all that kind of stuff. And everybody gets a little concerned about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear, what they're going to drive, what about fuel, what about, what about, what about. And the whole time is to stop worrying about your life. It's going to be fine. Trust God here because the last thing you want to do is give in to this mess because when you do it, you're just giving the enemy place. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to give the enemy place. See, fear. Everybody say fear. fear. That's what the enemy tries, to hit, hit you with fear. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this out, okay, because uh, it still goes back to this thing. you got to use your mouth for the right things, okay? So let's look at a few verses, and I'll let you go here, all right, real quick. Are you still with me? Okay, so 2 Timothy 1.7, a key verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, 
sound mind. Somebody say, praise the Lord for a sound mind. Amen. Come on, right? Power, you know, power. Talking about, you know, in other words, he's going to show himself strong. Love means he's, he's always got you. He's, he's not going to deny you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And, and a sound mind. Because sometimes, that's, see, that's what happens. The enemy comes with a spirit of fear to right here upset this thing, get you all worked up, get you all panicked. Come on, trying to get you under it. But see, this is something now. This, now remember the promises. you got to start speaking something. This is a promise. Amen. I can't even tell you how many times we've quoted this. God has not given me a spirit of fear, no. but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So when you feel the spirit of fear trying to grip your heart and, and your mind, you begin to grab a verse like this and say, God's not given me a spirit of fear. I will not, re- I will not yield to the spirit of fear. God's given me power and love and a sound mind, praise God. Is anybody else with me? Unless I'm just talking about this thing about, you know, this thing about, uh, you know, being willing to lay down your life. Understand, we're not looking for everybody to be dead here in the week. We're just saying, listen, don't let the fear of death dominate and dictate. Don't let the fear of lack dominate and dictate. Don't let the fear of these kind of things begin to dominate and dictate your life. Because when it does, you make dumb decisions. Somebody said, what are you talking about? No, we, what happens is our decision-making gets all out of whack. Instead of just, you know, just settling down, Walking in the peace of God, let God lead and guide. We get all panicked and worried, and we begin to do all kinds of crazy stuff we're going to regret. So God's not given me a spirit of fear. I refuse to yield to fear. He's given me power. He's, on, he's with me. He's empowering me. He's, he's love. He's, he's on my side. He ain't leaving me nor forsaken. I got a sound mind. I don't care how my mind's trying to go, ah, I, I got a sound mind. Listen, we're not denying the existence of all this mess. We're just saying, I refuse to yield to it. God will lead and guide, amen? How about this? Psalms 91, verse 10, and on a few verses here. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And in their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Somebody say, praise God for the angels. Uh-huh. See, I'm just saying that you just got all kinds of things you can draw on in these moments when you feel like your life's in danger. You feel like all the stuff, you know, about your life's in, a, in an uproar right now. You got all kinds of things you can grab, amen, to use, amen, to do warfare, to resist your enemy. Now, those angels are there to, uh, to, to work for you. The Hebrews 1 says that their ministering spirits send forth to minister unto the heirs of salvation. That's you and me. They're there to serve. But here's a key, Psalms 103, okay, verse 20, okay, a big key here. Again, everybody say, get your mouth right. Bless the Lord, you as angels who excel in strength, who do his word, who do his word, who do his word, and heeding the voice of his word. You notice it didn't say heeding the voice of God. It just says his word. Well, how does the word get voice? (laughs) <laughs> it's not saying anything to me 
No, well, you pull it up, you look at it, and you read it, and you begin to say it yourself. My God's given me, amen. He's encamped around about me, angels, amen. No evil shall befall me. No plague come nigh me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Praise God. Hallelujah. What are you doing? You're giving voice to the word. And the angels of God are always there. But see, again, it comes down to what are you going to talk? If you're going to talk fear. Now, I'm just, I'm just saying, okay, we, we've done whole teachings on this, okay? Um, if you're going to talk panic, fear, Doom, gloom, despair, lack, poverty, sickness, disease. If, you, if that's all you want to talk, you probably, you, you probably shut them down. They're probably standing in the room wishing to do something and probably can't do anything. Yeah. Somebody, you got to get a picture of that. Okay? Now, if you want the angels at work, you know, to work for you, then you speak the word. That's what you do. Take that word, speak the word. Everybody say, speak the word. Speak the word. Listen again. I'm going to tell you again. I'm not saying you have to memorize everything. I'm telling you, praise God, grab your promise, speak your promise. I don't care if you have to hold it in front of you and say, devil, I'm telling you right now, the word of God says this. And you speak it. Little by little, the more you do that, the more alive it comes, the more that sword gets sharpened. The more it comes alive in you, the more, praise God, that becomes truly the weapon of choice against your enemy. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, you got angels. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And one last verse I'm just going to give you, Isaiah 54. I'd like to read all of this. Well, maybe I'll do it just real quick. Verse 14 through 17 just says this. In righteousness uh, you shall be established. Uh, you shall be far from oppression. Somebody say praise the Lord. For, your, for you shall not fear, and from terror, this, uh, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble. Talking about the, the enemies, okay? But not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall uh, for your sake. It's God talking now. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire and brings forth an instrument for his work. I have created the spoiler to destroy. That word literally means that destroys, okay? But get this. Here's a common verse, right? No weapon formed against you, shall prosper. And even says, every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is your heritage. Amen. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. And this is even old covenant. Even got more on top of that from the new covenant. But the bottom line, I'm just trying to bring out, amen, child of God, it's another promise that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It will not succeed. So no matter what the enemy's trying to do or what's been laid out there, praise God, that's another promise you speak so you don't have to fear about your life. Amen. So every time you feel that fear grip, your heart concerning your life, it's good to stand on a few of these promises. It's the only reason I read them. And so you understand that that's part of your weaponry. Did you get something today? Give the Lord praise. Come on. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.